Hello and welcome to Step Into Light. I am Michelle Jones and I am excited. This week we are going to be talking about the first four books in the book of Jacob. And next week I have um, a partner to have a conversation with and so I'm really looking forward to that. This week I am just going to be sharing some of the things as I studied and I apologize that this is coming out a little bit late here in Arizona. We are on spring break with our children and all of the delight and chaos that comes from that has been part of my house this week and so we're a day late getting this podcast out but... I am still really thankful and happy for this opportunity to collect my thoughts and to really study in a very unique way as I prepare to share through this podcast the things that um, I learned and came to understand as I studied in the book of Jacob this week. Also thankful, I know that I am only one of many people feeling this gratitude, but As I am looking ahead and knowing that we will not be attending church on Sunday and perhaps for some time to come, I am so thankful for this pattern that we have been taught and had the opportunity to exercise to study in um, the scriptures and to be able to really take ownership of that and to, you know, at our house we call it home church, but to have that opportunity to... um, continue to grow and develop and be close to our Savior, even as we cannot gather together as a larger body of Christ. So with that in mind, I would like to share. um, We're going to start here. um, We have Jacob and Jacob refers to himself and Joseph. You know, there's a huge transition here that's happening. The people for some time, it says for in verse one, we learn 50 and five years have passed away from the time that Lehi's left Jerusalem. And his, these people, these Nephites, have been very accustomed to Lehi and Nephi being their leaders. And so this is a big time of change and transition for them as um, Jacob is stepping into um, his role. I appreciate in verse 1, Jacob says, Nephi gave me, Jacob, a commandment concerning the small plates. And I think that this is just a really small sort of sampling of the many things that Nephi likely did to prepare Jacob for his calling to serve as a prophet, that this is not something that just suddenly came upon him. If we go down to verse six, Jacob shares, we also had many revelations and the spirit of much prophecy, wherefore we knew of Christ. And isn't it really cool like this is the foundation the readiness that Jacob has to fulfill his calling and to step up as the prophet that the fact that he has the spirit of much prophecy because he knows Christ he has been able to have that connection and you know as we look at each of us within our own spheres within our own stewardships what does this teach us about the foundation that we need in order to serve in our callings particularly our most important callings, which I believe are within our family. You know, my calling is a mother and a wife in within my sphere and my stewardship is, I think, one of the most significant um, callings that I will have while I'm here on the earth. And 
that the foundation for that work that I'm doing can be so, so similar to what Jacob is experiencing here as I can work from a place of revelation, the spirit of prophecy, and truly continuing on my journey to coming to know Christ. In verse 7, he says, We labored diligently among our people that we might persuade them to come unto Christ. So I love how Jacob is showing us both sides of his work. So first we see the foundation and the ongoing strengthening of it to work in the spirit, to receive revelation, to have the spirit of prophecy and to come to know Christ personally. But also he labored diligently. He worked hard. He sought answers. He showed up and put forth effort for those that he served. So I think that this is so significant that it's not just that we ourselves are spiritually anchored and strong and have a sure foundation, although that is a critical component to it. But also we can emulate Jacob and we can labor diligently. I was thinking about some of my own experiences in um, callings in the church and how um, really amazing some of those experiences have been. I've served a lot with the youth in the church and one, and so here were some of the similarities that I found that when I combine these two things to have this spirit to be working from a foundation of the savior and to combine that with a willingness to labor diligently, that I found that what fell into, under that purview was like being able to get to know those that I serve, that that is part of the labor that we put forth or that we can put forth, that we can choose to put some energy and some labor into that. Another way that we can labor is to love without expectation. So, and that maybe seems a little odd to call that work, but it is a type of labor to learn, to be able to extend love without expecting that it is received a certain way or that the outcome will be in a certain manner. Um, and so another thing that we can discipline ourselves to do is to meet people where they are. And throughout this whole thing, so we've got some of these different aspects which are part of laboring diligently. And then we combine that with another key component that I thought of in my own experience is to be continually nurturing my own spiritual strength. So those were some of the things that I really love. And we're going to continue like this concept of like laboring, teaching, um, as Jacob continues to share some of the um, components of being a prophet or being a leader or serving within each of our own capacities within our faith communities. So in verse 10 of Jacob 1, he shares, The people have loved Nephi exceedingly, he having been a great protector for them. So a protector is one who cares for persons when I looked it up. And so Jacob is showing us a connection between caring and serving, protecting, and the development of love. Because at the end of this you know, we see that the people like love Nephi so much. This is the the role that Jacob was stepping into. And he recognized that part of that was because Nephi was a protector, not only physically having literally wielded the sword of Laban in their defense, um, but also in laboring in all of his days for their welfare. So two different kinds of protection there. 
So if we combine what we were talking about in verse 7 with laboring diligently for our people and then also being a protector for them, like it is my experience when serving that love is the secret sauce within a group of people in our church ministry. And abundance of love often leads to satisfaction in serving, meaningful connections, and having that. I think one of the things that we're often looking for, like the X factor, is like engagement. That when we are teaching or learning or interacting together, that there's engagement during our time together. And I, Jacob is sharing some really amazing things in this chapter as you study and as you learn the thoughts that come to your mind about how you can um, minister to those that you are serving. I think this is a really great opportunity that we've been given to think and to ponder about that. Um, especially, you know, we're going to be ministering in different ways, perhaps over the next few weeks. And what does that look like? And how do we contribute? And are we just like, like off the hook? Or are there ways that we can really still continue to serve and to uplift and to minister to people around us um, in our current situation, which is not necessarily meeting together physically so often? Okay, in verse 14, we're going to move on to actually verse 15. So we're talking about, you know, we've had this group of people and Jacob has been, you know, and Nephi too, this isn't the first time that we've seen this, but he's recognizing this trend that people are beginning to grow hard in their hearts and indulge themselves somewhat in wicked practices. So this is verse 15. So I thought that this phrase indulge themselves was such a great phrase that Jacob is using here. Um, To indulge ourselves, I looked in my thesaurus. We've got gratify, give in, allow. So you can like substitute those words in there that we're going to gratify ourselves or give in to ourselves or just allow ourselves. This seems to imply that there's an understanding that something isn't good or right, but we allow ourselves to flirt with it anyway. I would imagine this often includes justifications. Uh, Part of our mortal experience is to bring our bodies into alignment with our spirit. In many cases, this is to deny or limit what the body desires, or inversely, to bring our body to action for something that requires effort and focus. And I think this tension between indulgence and discipline is a universal experience. In fact, as I pondered these verses, the spirit nudged me with an area that I've been indulging myself and I need to consider ways that I might decrease that indulgence in my life. So that may be an experience that you'll have if you're willing to um, connect and ponder within these verses. If there's something within you that is maybe um, a part of your heart that is harder and indulgence that you have. Um, But much like in principles we've been covering in the past few weeks, this is not something to worry ourselves to extremes and to expect perfect abstinence from indulgence. So rather, I think this could be an opportunity for like awareness to steadily bring our body and spirit into alignment with our Savior, like step by step, with our Savior's loving help. I felt like it was important to really mention here that this is not a call to perfection. This is not a call to never take a nap. This is not a call to um, feel shame for those things. It's merely an opportunity 
to bring the Savior in to help us slow by step by step and slowly um, continue along this purification and sanctification process that we um, are choosing for ourselves. Okay, so now Jacob is gathering the people um, and he is going to be sharing with them um, some things. And this is not probably his favorite part of the job is being is having these times where he needs to correct them and to share these things with him. I would imagine as he has been sharing all the labor and the different things that he has been doing, there's many parts to what he sees as his stewardship over the people. And he says in verse three of chapter two, but this day I am weighed down with much more desire and anxiety for the welfare of your souls. So he's motivated by love and concern. He feels responsibility and really to make sure that there is complete clarity. So people have agency to choose for themselves, their path and what they want. The partner gift of teaching and revelation helps us to be empowered to choose with our eyes more wide open and awake. So Jacob is giving them, you know, he feels this responsibility to make sure that there's no confusion, that there are no mists of darkness when it comes to understanding the Lord's expectations for their choices and that they may then choose for themselves what they want to do. So, you know, as he is sharing some of this responsibility that he's feeling, verse 11 is to me so comforting to remember. He says, I must tell you the truth according to the plainness of the word of God. And then this is the part that really stood out to me today in this verse as I was studying. For behold, as I inquired of the Lord, thus came the word unto me. So this is a weighty thing that Jacob is undertaking to testify about difficult things and chasten his family and close associates. In that moment, he understood that he needed to have this difficult conversation with his people. I imagine it must have been a great comfort to him to know that the Lord directed not only the content, but the timing as well. So in our life, we will be asked to have difficult conversations and to testify at challenging times. But if we are close to the Lord, we can get direction for what to say and when to say it. We don't have to walk it alone. This reminds me of some different experiences that I've had, even just within my own family as a mother, um, knowing that there, like I can see that there are some topics or some conversations that may need to be had, but knowing how of what significant importance it is to be addressing the topics in the right way at the right time so that it can be received and not viewed as um, sort of something to re reject or rebel against, that that balance as a mother is very um, challenging, particularly with um, teenage and young adult children. And so I have found in my life that I've been very comforted as I've turned to the Lord and said, okay, this is like, I recognize that they have their own path and journey and that I don't know exactly what that looks like for them, but I will align myself with the spirit and I will be here in readiness. And when the moment comes that I have a part to play specifically in, like I'm talking with my like young adult 
children, right? Like, you know, they, they, they are at a point to make more choices and decisions for themselves. And yet, much like Jacob felt as a prophet, I do feel a stewardship as a mother. And so in that moment, I have had times when I can clearly see, oh, here is a teaching or here is a principle or here's a thought that I have. And the Lord has been very merciful and extended a lot of grace in my life that at certain moments I have literally felt, go have a conversation about this right now. And I'm sitting on my couch reading a book or something and I'll pop up and say, okay, and go and have this conversation and have been so thankful to recognize that the Lord knows his children and he knows what they need. And obviously this is a really specific example that I'm using and it may be very specific just to me, the way that I'm approaching these conversations with my children. But I, but I feel like there are times in our life when the Lord will ask us to speak up on his behalf or to defend truth or to stand in a place of truth and speak. And in those moments, in my experience, we can have the comfort and reassurance to know that we don't stand in it alone and that the Lord not only can direct our thoughts, but the timing of when we share those thoughts. So those were some of the concepts that felt meaningful and as as I read that verse. So let's continue on. Many of these verses, like chapter two is very familiar to most of us. There's going to be a lot of concepts that we have spoken about at length. We have shared, we may have even memorized some of these verses. So I'm not going to address every verse and every concept because much of it is familiar. Instead, I chose verses that as I was reading, um, really stood out to me today specifically, and that I felt could be meaningful to share. So in verse 17, you know, we're talking about pride here and about um, serving others and many of the, you know, the, this like pride section of it. And in verse 17, Jacob says, think of your brethren like unto yourselves and be familiar with all and free with your substance that they may be rich like unto you. So in many ways, we live in a very competitive world. There's a scarcity mentality where we often fear there's not enough to go around, whether that comes to physical objects, whether it comes to opportunities in our careers, whether that comes to um, friendship and time with other people. Um, And so there's this feeling that when others have something, it means less for us. And so that, as I said, this can be true in the workplace and financial markets, but it's also true in our thoughts about relationships and other like intangible commodities. Interestingly, although this competitive way of thinking seems common to all of us, it doesn't appear that God operates this way. There is room for everyone to have everything in God's plan. So let's go back to that again. So we have this mentality here on earth, common to all of us, so not shaming or picking on anybody for this, that there is a scarcity of resources that when someone has something, it means less for us, but that in within God's plan, there is room for everyone to have everything. If everybody, if all of his children chose um, 
to follow him and to fully embrace his plan and to seek exaltation, there is room in his plan for all to have that abundance. So although we may live in a world with actual limits on resources, like that is reality. And one of the, you know, we're seeing that in some of as people preparing for this or responding really to this worldwide um, illness that has been going throughout countries and you know, some of us are literally affected and others are not at this point. Yet there is definitely a scarcity mentality when it comes to responding. And in many ways, there actually is a limit to what is available. And so how do we go from there when we have, when we're dealing with things where there actually is a limit, which is what makes this world part of a mortal experience, right? There are parts of this experience that are not how they are, Um if the earth was in its perfected state. So I, I go back to um, back when we were studying in the New Testament, we talked about being able to share from our abundance. There's an entire podcast episode that talks about it quite a bit. And I think that that is sort of what is being talked about here is to share of our abundance and live from a place of love rather than fear or scarcity. So that doesn't mean that we have to give more than we have. It doesn't mean that we have to um, give so that we do without, but it does mean that when we have an abundance that we would like to make sure that everybody has what they need when it's within our power to do so. Okay, so we're going to continue moving on. So that we've got the pride section. Now Jacob has the uh, extreme op- like privilege, blessing, I don't know, to address the difficult topic of chastity here. And there's a lot that has been said and could be said about chastity. The part that stood out to me today is in verse 31. For behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow and heard the mourning. And it's such a personal topic, I think chastity is, and one that can have this potential to carry a lot of shame in a different way than a lot of other um, mortal choices have. And so there's many conversations that could be had about the sanctity of our sexual expression. We all have this um, inherent sexuality that we own within each one of us. It's divine. It's good. Um But this time when I was reading, I was struck that Jacob brings up this concept twice, that anything outside of complete fidelity in marriage will bring pain and heartache to those we profess to love. And I think that that's an interesting thing to to notice and to share with the people that this is not just God says it's wrong, so don't do it, in addition to our divine teaching that we have about understanding the significant importance of um, having a lot of clarity and I guess aligning our choices about our sexual expression with what the Lord has taught us, that that fundamentally is our foundation. But he's also teaching us that, um, that there is pain and heartache too when this experience happens. In other words, this isn't just that the Lord has said, don't do it, so don't do it, but that it literally, by following the Lord's path, we will prevent so much pain and heartache to those around us who we love. So this doesn't mean that those that are faithful in their marriage are exempt from all pain and hurt, 
but rather that the incidents of suffering and heartache are profound and real and inevitable when the divine bounds for our sexual expression are pushed or broken. And I think that's both within and if you're not married as well. Um, and I, I just appreciate the significance of that. He um, brings it again to bear in verse 35. He said, the sobbings of their hearts ascend to God against you. And so another thing to consider is that these choices that we're making, I, I know a lot of times we hear um, in our popular culture that, you know, these choices, it's it's me, it's my body, I can choose what I want to do. And although, strictly speaking, that is absolutely true. And I think one of the things that we forget to connect is that along with the ability to choose is the consequence that comes with that choice. And when you pick up one part of a stick, the other part comes. And to remember that in this time where largely within our culture, that making a variety of choices when it comes to our sexual expression is completely within our choice, that doesn't mean that there isn't a consequence for those around us who love and care about us deeply. Okay, like Jacob, I'm probably glad to be done with that topic. Chapter three, he talks, he begins this chapter talking about those that are pure in heart, which I could almost feel the relief from talking about these heavy topics of correction, right? And so Jacob shares in, I mean, there's so much just in these first two verses, pondering these first two verses of Jacob chapter three can bring some really beautiful insight and direction for us. Um, in ver- verse one, I'm going to focus on he- Jacob's sharing, look unto God. Well, he says, I, Jacob, would speak unto you that are pure in heart. Look unto God with firmness of mind and pray unto him with exceeding faith, and he will console you in your afflictions and he will plead your cause. So, Jacob is addressing here the pure in heart, those that are striving to follow God. And I appreciate that Jacob is acknowledging that those who are striving with a pure heart will still have afflictions and struggle. Struggle does not necessarily mean that we are doing something wrong. It means we're human. And when those moments come, he's giving us a formula for how to receive additional strength, guidance, and support in our time of need. So as we can do that, some of the words that really stood out to me were that he will console you. And I thought that was very beautiful. In verse two, he continues on and says, Oh, all ye that are pure in heart, lift up your heads and receive the pleasing word of God and feast upon his love. So I appreciate that he's giving us counsel for things that are in our control. It seems to me that all of these things that he's speaking about here in verse two require some level of stillness and our focus being turned toward God. In the midst of struggle, we can literally pause and look up to God for guidance and direction. I love here that he is reminding us that we need to receive the word of God. The Lord can send revelation and direction, but do we receive it into ourselves? Do we accept that the things that we are learning are for us, for us specifically at this time in our life. My favorite part of this verse is where it speaks about feasting upon his love. 
So when I picture feasting, it's to bring food into our body, to do so with maybe eagerness, enjoyment, and abundance. So we can also take in God's love in this same way. You know, I've rarely had the experience of feasting on God's love without being focused on him. I mean, on occasion, in times of deep need, I have just felt it pour out even when I have been struggling. But in my everyday life, I have found that it is my privilege to feast upon God's love, but that I need to be focusing on him. And that if I'm distracted by other things, it seems very nearly impossible to feast on God's love in the same manner as when I am giving him my focus, my energy, my time um, to give him that time and to have that sort of meditation or communing with him. There is a power that comes in that and the and it is our privilege if we would like to have that time to commune with him that he would be able to bring that back to us as well. Okay, let's go on to verse 11 in Jacob chapter 3. He says, Oh, my brethren, hearken unto my words. Arouse the faculties of your souls. Shake yourselves that ye may awake from the slumber of death. So the footnote for the word arouse is apathy. And I find this really interesting counsel from Jacob. If the devil cannot lure us to rebel against God outright, then he will lull us into complacency so that we sleep through our mortal experience. And Jacob is teaching us that we do not have to continue this way. We can awake and see things as they really are. One of my favorite phrases these days is to live awake. I use this phrase differently than the popularly coined phrase right now, woke. But for me, being awake means doing things less automatically, to be a little slower, a little more purposeful, to curate for myself that which really matters to me in terms of my time, um, people where I give my energy, the things in my home, just in general, and to give myself permission to let go of that which doesn't serve me or my values. Maybe most importantly, not to compare myself or my path to others, but rather, so like rather than looking sideways, I strive to look toward my savior and to get my directions and validation from him. So full disclosure, this is 100% a work in progress. And I do find myself spiritually napping sometimes, but I like that it is in the form of naps that I wake from and continue on in my journey and not a great hibernation. I find in my life, in my, my, my experience has been that I have great freedom and peace in living awake with my focus on my savior. And he is so loving and accepting and meets me exactly where I am. And it has been, I am continually um, in awe, grateful, just I feel more and more in love with my Savior when I recognize that he does that for everybody, meets us where we are. So chapter four is our last chapter here, and we are learning about um, sort of, you know, bringing it back to prophets from the beginning of time and learning some things about um, what we all have in common with them. So in verse four, Jacob says that here is the intent why I'm writing, that they may know that we knew Christ, 
and we had a hope of his glory many hundred years before his coming. And not only we ourselves had a hope of his glory, but also all the holy prophets, prophets which were before us. So he's testifying of Christ and that all the prophets knew him. Wherefore, we search the prophets and we have many revelations. This is verse six. And the spirit of prophecy and having all these witnesses, we obtain a hope and our faith becometh unshaken. I love this balance that we're learning. We embrace faith and we develop hope and we step into power. And this is our inheritance. And we see in verse seven, nevertheless, the Lord showeth us our weakness that we may know that it is by grace and his great condescensions unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. So, so we have both. We can, so we're permitted to have weakness that we remain anchored to the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so we always remember that despite our obedience and spiritual power, it is through grace that we do all things. And yet that doesn't diminish the spiritual power that we do have and that we have the potential to have and truly that is our inheritance to have. So I love in verse six and seven, finding and seeking that that balance that Jacob is teaching that both can be true at once, that both are true at once. Um, in verse eight, no man knoweth of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. So we're talking about the mysteries of God and that really the way that that God's plan um, is going to unfold for us and also the way that everything, um, that things operate in the celestial realm and through divine means, that that is a mystery to us because it's not the same as how things operate here on a mortal world. And Jacob is teaching that no man can know of these ways, but there's not a period there. He says, no man can know of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. And so we have the option, should we so desire it, to seek after those things and to understand them further. And verse 11, we he, we use the word reconcile here. And this is a section that is brought up quite a bit in the manual this week. Um, this phrase, wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ. So I looked up the definition for reconcile, which is to make one thing compatible with another. So the teaching here is to reconcile ourselves to the atonement of Jesus Christ. We are to align ourselves or make ourselves compatible with it. There's something really beautiful about this process, that it is truly a full use of our agency to bring our body and spirit to the Savior to bring our will and our choices and our desires to him. We begin to desire what he desires. We actually find ourselves being sanctified and purified as we reconcile ourselves to our Savior. And the atonement of Jesus Christ is what allows that to happen. It's what allows us to be reconciled to him. So um, chapter 13, we're going to finish here. A little bit shorter this week in honor of spring break. Um, chapter 13. The spirit speaketh the truth and lieth not. Wherefore it speaketh of things as they really are. One of my probably favorite concepts really. And of all things as they really will be. 
Wherefore, these things are manifested unto us plainly for the salvation of our souls. But behold, we are not witnesses alone in these things, for God also spake them unto prophets of old. In times of confusion, I really rely on this for clarity that comes from the Spirit. And I remind myself that confusion does not come from the Lord. The Lord does not desire us to live in a space of confusion, doubt, uncertainty. He is willing to bring clarity, to have things be plain to us, to have the Spirit speak truth to us so that we can understand what is happening around us so that we can build that skill of discernment and understand things through the Spirit. And so the key parts that I love here, the Spirit speaketh truth and lieth not. It speaketh of things as they really are. And then here we get this this second witness that we're being told that we don't have to rely only on those things that we learn, that as we learn and study the things that the Spirit teaches us and testifies and reveals to us, that we will see that, that we have another witness in our prophets as we read and study the scriptures, that that will be a second witness to us. So I look forward this next week to finding, um, to learning and really digging in more to Jacob's words as we finish off uh, Jacob next week. And I look forward to having that conversation with someone so you can hear someone else's voice and not just my voice. Again, you can find me on Instagram, Step Into Light Podcast, uh, my personal Instagram where I tend to post like little daily um, uplifting thoughts in my stories is Michelle's Muse. And also you can find me on my website, www.jonesharbor.com. Until next week, good luck team, and we will talk then.